All right, so how do you like my how do you like my San Diego surfer hat here, everybody? Yeah, I'm ready to hit the waves here. Hang ten in a little bit. All right. Well, I've been anxious to teach this person of the Bible, Moses. Moses is a powerful person. I have an illustration. Moses was known as before before he was a well after he was a prince of Egypt, but before he led God's people, he he was a shepherd. How many know this is a shepherd's tool? They have a hook and a crook, right? They have a a staff and a, and a, you know what I'm talking about? They have a hook and a regular stick. This is kind of like what a shepherd would use for climbing up rocky mountain faces or in Canaan. It's very much like if you're you Colorado people, if you've been around the state, you, it's a little bit like the western slope over there in Israel. So if you've ever climbed the book lifts or if you've ever been in those rocky crags towards Moab, imagine having a, a whole bunch of sheep in the crags of Moab in a very deserty place. You'd have to learn how to sit in the shade a lot. You'd have to find grassy pastures, which is hard to find in a desert, but they, but they did it. And Moses was a shepherd, she, just shepherding God's sheep with a staff in his hand, using a tool a lot like this. I actually have two of these. I use these for climbing 14ers because it's nice to have something to catch yourself in case you feel like you, you need a third or fourth leg. It's nice to have one of these. And so Moses was probably getting up in years. We know that he was probably about 80 years old when he was a shepherd of Midian on the far side of Canaan. And God appears to him. But it's not in the way that you'd imagine. We've studied all these people so far. We've talked about God's game, game of tag, take and give, re receiving and giving. God is in this reciprocal relationship where He gives, He asks us to give back. And whatever we give, He multiplies and pours back. And there's this life cycle of giving and receiving, taking and giving. And He never asks us to give what we don't have. But He also asks us not to close our hand. That we always keep our hand open. And sometimes he asks, hey, what's that in your hand? <laughs> so we're going to look at this person of Moses in several passages of Scripture today. I'm going to pull out a few important truths from the life of Moses. And I've titled my sermon today, It's Not About the Stick. It's Not About the Stick. And how many know that, you know, sometimes we talk about, you, you can use the stick or the carrot. Have we talked about that in parenting styles or in government? You can use the stick or you can use the carrot. Right? And we well know what that means, right? You can teach through punishment or you can teach through reward. Or bribery, might some might say. Right? And God does use the stick in the hand of Moses. Even though the stick seems to be a powerful symbol in the story, in the end, it's not about the stick. It's not even about the carrot. <laughs> Although there are some blessings, what we would call carrots in that allegory. There are some good things that come. It's not even about the blessings. It's not about the punishments. It's about a heart of obedience towards God. And so Moses does not want to obey God from the very beginning. He sees this bush burning in the desert. And you imagine what it was like. He probably had a hundred sheep or so. He, he, and if you're in the desert, you can see a fire from a long way off, especially in weather like this. In most deserts, there's no clouds. It's a blue sky most of the time. You see smoke in the distance, you can see that for miles. 
We in Grand Junction, we used to have heat lightning where there was no rain, but there was, because of the static electricity, the lightning would strike because of the sand in the desert and it would start brush fires. You could see those brush fires for 20 miles. I'm sure Moses was looking and he sees this bush way off in the distance and it's burning and he goes, huh, I wonder what's going to happen with that. Yeah, it'll probably burn out. Watching the sheep, getting some water, having a snack. Huh, that bush, that's still burning. What has it been? It's been like, it was burning this morning, wasn't it? I think it's still burning. That's weird. Maybe it's not a, maybe it's not a bush on fire. You know what, let's go check it out. Come on, let's go look. He goes towards the bush. It's strange to see a bush that's burning, but it, it just keeps on burning. It's not consumed. And it doesn't spread like a wildfire, it's just a fire. It's like maybe there's a maybe there's someone over there. Maybe there are people at the campfire over there. It's weird to have a campfire in the middle of the day, but well, maybe there's someone I can go talk to. It's lonely being a shepherd. Maybe I can make a friend. Walks over towards the bush and suddenly hears a voice from the bush saying, Moses, calls him by name. Uh-oh. Is this somebody who knows me from back in Egypt when I killed that Egyptian? Ooh, they know who I am. I'm an outlaw. I'm not even supposed to be here. Moses, take off your sandals because this, the ground you're standing on is holy ground. So Moses kicks off his sandals. He's standing in front of a bush that keeps on burning. It's not con consumed. And the bush is talking to him. I don't think any of us have had that happen yet, right? That's quite a moment. And the, the bush says, hey Moses, I got a job for you. I need you to go back to Egypt and tell Pharaoh to let my people go. And he says, uh, are you sure you got the right guy? I'm slow of speech, slow of tongue. Been gone a long time. They wanted to kill me last time I was in Egypt. He says, no, you go anyway. He says, but uh, what if they don't believe me? What if they say, Who, what God sent you? God did not send you. We don't know of any God in Canaan. He says, you tell, you tell them that I sent them. Well, what should I say your name is? You tell them the I am has sent you. The I am that I am. The ever eternal existent God that doesn't need an idol carved in his image. The God who is everywhere and is in everything, who's all-powerful, all-knowing, omniscient, omnipotent, completely loving, completely gracious, who doesn't need anything from anyone, self-sufficient. I don't need your gifts, but you'd be wise to give them. And you'd be wise to obey what I say, Moses. But uh, I don't want to go. <laughs> what if they don't believe me? And then the voice says, What's that in your hand? Um, it's a, it's it's a stick. It's a, it's a staff, you know. I just I hit the sheep with it, make them all go in one direction. Throw it down on the ground. Instantly, the staff becomes a snake. And Moses is like, whoa, snake, whoa! And he says, God, God says, don't be afraid. Pick it up by the tail. Yeah, good good advice. When you're when while picking up a snake, always pick up by the tail, as if you needed to be told that. 
he picks it up and it becomes a staff again. Because, wow, that's pretty cool. That's pretty cool, God. Neat trick. How did that happen? This was a stick and then it was a snake and now it's my stick again? That's a good trick. But what if they don't believe because of the stick that turns into a snake? It says, put your hand inside your cloak. Okay. He puts his hand inside his cloak. He says, pull it out again. <gasps> Leprosy all over my skin. <gasps> Leprosy was a death sentence in the ancient world. You get leprosy, it's over. He said, put it back in your cloak again. <gasps> I'm healed. Wow. That's amazing. <laughs> That's amazing. He says, what if they don't believe those signs, God? You know, I'm slow of speech, slow of tongue. And what if they don't believe the little this, the stick to snake trick and they don't believe the leprosy trick? He says, strike the ground here and water had become blood. He says, this is enough. Moses, you go now. He says, but I, I still don't want to go. How many of you had talked to God like that? You would not have been talking back to God like that. Like, at some point I'm going to go, oh wow God, those are really great tricks. I think I can handle it. If you're with me, I think I can do it. Not Moses. He's like, no, I'm still not going. I, I'm not going, God. I, I like my life here in Canaan. Being a shepherd is good. Zipporah is a good wife. She makes good food. My life is simple. I like it that way. Nobody wants to kill me here. He goes, no, but I've given you a sign and I've given you a command. Go. I'm telling you to go. I, I'm slow of speech. They're not going to believe me. And I stutter. It seems like you selectively stutter, Moses. Okay, your mo your brother mo your brother Aaron can go with you, Moses, and you'll speak. He'll speak to Pharaoh on your behalf, and he'll you'll be as God to Pharaoh. Now go. Oh look, here comes Aaron right now. Isn't that something? He wasn't around, but suddenly Aaron has has appeared here in the in the desert of Canaan. Isn't it strange that your brother would show up from Egypt all those hundreds of miles away? Wow, looks like your brother showed up. No more excuses, Moses. Get to work. <laughs> Moses was forced into a game of tag with God. What's that in your hand? God is going to use what he's put in your hand to fulfill what he's put in your heart. God will use what he's put in your hand to fulfill what he's put in your heart to do. God has gifted you for some things. You have a knowledge that nobody else has. You have experience that no one else has. You, you've gone through things that no one else has gone through. You know things. And God has revealed things to you that he's not whispered to anyone else. It's your job to use what is in your hand to fulfill what God has put in your heart. I think about my wife, Kim. She's a very smart lady. She's, she, she could pass any cognitive psychological IQ test with flying colors without ever seeing the answers. Because she's been studying IQ tests her whole life. God made her a CEO of a brain training company. Isn't that something? <laughs> I think of Tim, 
who's a master woodworker, whose dad has woodworkings in the Smithsonian Museum in Washington, and God has used him to come up with this idea called the Grata Wood that now has gone around the world. And people everywhere have talked about five things I'm grateful for. Something as simple as making a little wood turning that you give out by the hundreds to people is going around the world. I think about Lily. And everywhere she goes, she brings the sunshine with her. That joy, that life. I could go through and name each one of you. God has equipped each and every one of you with something unique, with a gifting, with something in your hand that is uniquely yours, that he wants to use to be the rod of God, to be the staff that can change the world. Some powerful truth there. I wish I could spend longer on it, but we're only at a limited time. Moses had everything that he needed already to be successful, but yet he still made excuses. His faith was weak because he was putting all of his faith in himself instead of his trust in God. But when God backed him into a corner, he had no choice but to obey. You know, sometimes God puts you in a place where you have no other option. I think in some ways that's what he's done with America right now. We have no other choice but to go, Oh God, <laughs> will you please help us? We're in big trouble. We need you, Lord. Like, no matter what stage of life, no matter what your skin color, no matter how much money you make, no matter your party affiliation, we're all going, Oh God, what is happening? We need you, Lord. Right? We're all in a place of desperation. You know what? I think that might be exactly where he wants us. It might be where he's wanted us to be all along. And people don't like that kind of talk. That makes me unpopular as a preacher. But I kind of don't care because it's what he's called me to do. I, I preach not what you want to hear, but what you need to hear. Amen. And what I need to hear. Hard hearts refuse to repent even in the face of God. Moses was hard-hearted. He didn't want to listen to what God said. And he goes to Egypt. And he says, Pharaoh, let my people go. And he predicted it just right. He said, who is this God of yours? I don't know this God. I don't even know anything about him. I don't believe in your God. I don't have to obey your God. Get out of my court. Well, Moses was like, well, I guess that's the end of it. God's like, no, it's not the end of it. This is just the beginning. And so plagues begin to come. God says, it's time, time to bring out the big guns. He sends a plague of, of frogs. And at the end of each of these plagues, Pharaoh refused to listen to Aaron and Moses, just as the Lord had predicted. And then he sends up a, a plague of gnats. Have you ever been plagued by gnats? Maybe you've been fishing near the water, near a swamp, and it's like a cloud of mosquitoes and gnats. Imagine that you couldn't get away from the gnats. They were everywhere in the open air. That would be a plague, wouldn't it? But even after that plague, <laughs> Moses lifts it by the finger of God and then Pharaoh's heart remains hard and he wouldn't listen to them just as the Lord had predicted. Then he sends a plague of flies. We hate flies. We got the bug assault gun at our house. It's, it, it works on table salt. We shoot flies with the, with the bug assault weapon. And you know, you have to shoot the fly like three or four times. It's, a swatter would be much more humane actually. But each of these plagues, it ends where Pharaoh hardens his heart again. He does not believe what Moses has said. He says, I will not bow. I will not listen to your God. And I will not let you go. 
And so we can go through each of these plagues. We had the gnats, we had the frogs, we had the locusts, we had the plague of darkness, we have we had um, the the finally we get to the death of the firstborn. And this is the one that was the game changer. This is where the Jewish people celebrate their biggest holiday of the year. The Jewish Thanksgiving is Passover. It was when all these plagues had come and said, Moses said, this is the last one. If you don't obey now, you're going to really regret it. The death of the firstborn. Every firstborn of Egypt are going to die unless they have the blood on the doorpost of the house. Each Hebrew family was to sacrifice a lamb and spread the, the doorposts with the, the lamb of that blood, the blood of that lamb on the doorpost. And the, the death angel would pass over the house and the firstborn would not die of the houses that were covered in the blood. The houses that were not covered in the blood, that did not believe in this God, that would not obey the words of Moses and Aaron. Each household had the death of the firstborn. And of course, Pharaoh did not obey this God, and he suffered a terrible price. His firstborn son dies. And so, Pharaoh sent for Moses and Aaron during the middle of the night. Get out, he ordered. Leave my people and take the rest of the Israelites with you. Go and worship the Lord as you have requested. Take your flocks and herds as you said and be gone. Go, but, lest, but bless me as you leave. And all the Egyptians urged the people of Israel to get out of the land as quickly as possible, for they thought that they will all die. We will all die. The Israelites took their bread, their dough, before yeast was added. They wrapped their kneading boards in their cloaks and carried them on their shoulders. And the people of Israel did as Moses had instructed. And they asked the Egyptians for clothing and articles of silver and gold. And the Lord caused the Egyptians to look favorably on the Israelites. And they gave Israelites whatever they asked for, and they stripped the Egyptians of their wealth. The people of Israel had lived in Egypt for 430 years. In fact, it was on the last day of the 430th year. Isn't that like God? Perfect timing. It was on the last day of the 430th year that all of the Lord's forces left the land. And on this night, the Lord kept his promise to bring his people out of the land of Egypt. So this night belongs to him. That's why Passover is a sacred night. It belongs to God. And it must be commemorated every year by all the Israelites from generation to generation. Sometimes God allows hardship so that we'll finally surrender to his plan. We can be very stiff-necked. We can be very stubborn. We can, we can say, I don't believe in this God of yours. I don't want to do what he says. He is not the boss of me. Well, guess what? This is his universe. If you don't like it, go get your own universe. Amen. He made the universe, he gets to make the rules. And so Moses leads these people out of Egypt towards the Red Sea, where there's no bridge, there's no boat, they're cornered, and Pharaoh's army changes their mind once again to go, oh no, all of our free labor just left. What do we do? <laughs> We gotta get those guys back. So they start chasing them down to the edge of the Red Sea. The Red Sea's in front of them. Pharaoh's army's behind them. And what many believe is they were in the middle of a canyon, so they could go neither to the right or to the left. They had no other option but to turn to God. And then the Lord said to Moses, Exodus chapter 14, verse 15, the Lord said to Moses, why are you crying out to me? <laughs> Duh, we're in trouble, right? Tell the people to get moving. 
Pick up your staff and raise your hand over the sea. Divide the water so the Israelites can walk through the middle of the sea on dry ground. Have you ever heard of anything like that? I haven't. And I will harden the hearts of the Egyptians, and they will charge in after the Israelites. My great glory will be, disp will be displayed through Pharaoh and his troops, his chariots and his charioteers. When my glory is displayed through them, all Egypt will see my glory and know that I am the Lord. A terrible price. Disobedience can bring death, it can bring judgment. It's not pleasant. And yet it's what God has done. I have a cousin named Tim Mahoney. He's got a series of films on Netflix called The Exodus Conspiracy. You can watch a lot of it. He has underwater footage of where they believe the Red Sea crossing was. And you know what they have at the bottom? Hundreds of chariot wheels, chariots, and Egyptian armor on the seabed at the, at the shallowest part of the crossing of this area in the Sea of Aqaba that they believe they thought was the Red Sea. Isn't that amazing? Archaeology proves the Bible again and again and again. This is not a book of fairy tales. These things really happened. And there is a God in heaven. He deserves our worship. He deserves our, our praise. And He deserves our obedience. So, Moses brought a life-giving water through the staff. In the, in the wilderness, this staff gets used again and again for all kinds of miracles. He gets to a place in a, a place called Meribah, where they're just dying of thirst. And God says, Moses, go to the rock and strike it, and water will come from the rock. And that's what happens. And then bitter waters are made uh, drinkable by putting some wood in the water. Um, God uses Moses to do a lot of things with his hands and with the staff over and over again. And yet, we see later on in his ministry a similar time in the wilderness happens. They get thirsty again and Moses gets ready. They're in the, in the wilderness of Zin, camped at Kadesh. This is where Miriam, his sister, died. There was no water to drink in that place. And God says to Moses, he says, speak to the rock. The people are complaining. They're thirsty. I'll give them a drink. Speak to the rock. And that'll end their complaining. But Moses is angry. And he feels like the challenge of his leadership. So he hits the rock. Nothing happens. So he hits the rock again. And then water gushes out. And then God pulls Moses aside and he said, Hey, I didn't say hit the rock. I said speak to the rock. Moses, it's not about the stick. It's not about you. This isn't your power. This is my power through you. It's not about the stick. You don't just operate any way that you choose. You do it the way I say to do it or you don't do it at all. But this is Moses we're talking about. Obedience is very important to God. Why was it important for Moses to speak to the rock instead of strike the rock in anger? I think because God was trying to demonstrate the power of the tongue, the power of the spoken word. That if he had done it in gentleness, and he said, if he would have just said, come forth, the water would have come, 
and it would have silenced the people with peace instead of ang two angry strikes. He said, that did not demonstrate my character. That was, a flaw. that was a flaw in your character. And because of that one mistake, God says, Moses, you're not going to get to go into the promised land. You'll get to see it, but you don't get to go anymore. What a terrible price to pay for one moment of anger and disobedience. And yet, God fulfills that. Moses dies there on the edge of the promised land. And God's saying, it's not about the stick, Mo. It's not about you. It's not about this gifting I've given you. It's about me, and it's about your heart being willing to obey. Another crucial time in the desert is this time, it's called the time of the bronze snake, where people were bitten by vipers and they were dying of snake bites. And God says to him, he says, to take, take, make a bronze snake and hold it up on a pole, a replica of the poisonous snake, and attach it to the pole, and all who are bitten will live if they will simply look at it. Many of the people wouldn't want, didn't even want to look at it, and they died. But those who obeyed and looked at the brown snake were spared, and they lived. And so, this takes us to the New Testament. And Jesus, you know Jesus was a Jew, right? There's been some speculation. People think that Jesus was, was maybe a Christian. Guess what? He was a Jew first. Jesus was the first Christian, but he was a Jew first. And Jesus speaks of his own ministry in John chapter 3, verse 14. He says, And as Moses lifted up the bronze snake on the pole in the wilderness, so the Son of Man must be lifted up, so that everyone who believes in him will have eternal life. The staff is a precursor, a foreshadowing of the cross. It reminds us of the ultimate sacrifice that Jesus made for all of mankind. He says, as the snake was lifted up, so I will be lifted up. And Jesus in another passage says, and if I be lifted up, I will draw all men unto myself. If we lift Jesus, all of humanity will be drawn unto Christ. And that's why we have to be careful in how we share our faith. We do it in love, not in a striking and a violent way, but in a gentle and a loving way. And yet we don't compromise the gospel. We give them both barrels. We tell them the truth. We do it with all the love that we can muster. I do want to remind you that we have started our movie outreach. Some of you helped me put together a drive-in movie. We did our test run last weekend. And we are going to do our next one this Friday night at Castleview High School baseball field parking lots. Uh, we're actually going to do it Friday night. Yeah, so the 10th. Yep. At dusk. So we're going to start setting up around 8.15 in that ball field. And we're showing the Disney movie Tangled. And then I'll do a, a just a brief invitation to church and bring as many friends as he can. And it's going to be a great time. It's a shorter movie. The Star Wars movie was like two and a half hours, a little long. This one will be a little shorter, kid-friendly. And we'll have a snack bar and all the things that we had at the last one. And I want to invite a bunch of people. I'd love to see the whole town come out and share the gospel in a brief way and invite them all to church. And then, depending on weather, we'll either, either have church like we're doing it here today in the park or we'll have it online. But the main thing is not that they come to church, but that they come to Jesus.
Because Jesus said, if I be lifted up, I'll draw all men unto myself. Let me finish this message and we'll get out of here. Are you getting something out of it? Yeah. You're growing? You're learning? Yeah. yeah. I love the Lord with all my heart. There's nobody like Jesus. He's paid the ultimate price for you and I. Jesus says of Himself that He's the perfect testament to who God sent for the sacrifice. He, he bears witness. You know one of the big things they did in the Old Testament, and we were, we were, my wife and I, Kim and I were watching this documentary about Geronimo yesterday. If you ever follow the life of Geronimo, it's kind of amazing. And the native people here in America did a lot of the same things they did in the Old Testament. Anytime a promise or an agreement was made, they would stack rocks up and they'd make a promise over these rocks and they'd say, these rocks will bear witness to the promises that we made to each other. And if I br break this promise, these rocks will testify against me. If you break your promise, these rocks will remember that you lied. And of course, our government lied to the native people over and over again. <laughs> and I think we may be paying some of the spiritual price for that now. And yet, in the Old Testament, we see that this testimony is so important that people would build an altar. They'd build an altar for God. And you know, the cross was an altar. It was bearing witness to God sending His Son as the ultimate sacrifice for you and I to be the perfect Lamb. Not just the Passover Lamb, but the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. John 5, verse 31, Jesus says, If I were to, testi to testify on my own behalf, my testimony would not be valid. But someone else is also testifying about me, and I assure you that everything he says about me is true. In fact, you sent investigators to listen to John the Baptist, and his testimony about me was true. Of course, I have no need of human witnesses, but I say these things so you might be saved. John was like a burning and shining lamp, and you were excited for a while about his message. But I have greater witnesses than John, my teachings and my miracles. The Father gave me these works to accomplish, and they proved that He sent me. And the Father who has sent me has testified about me Himself. You have never heard His voice or seen Him face to face, and you do not have His message in your hearts because you do not believe me, that I am the one sent to you. The book of Hebrews, many think, was probably written by James, the blood brother of Jesus. And he speaks about Moses and Jesus. He speaks about the man with the staff. And the first covenant, the covenant of blood of sheep and goats, and how Jesus became as the, the superior covenant. In Hebrews chapter 10, he says, The old system under the law of Moses was only a shadow of a dim preview of the good things to come. Not the good things themselves. The sacrifices under that system were repeated again and again, year after year. But they were never able to provide a perfect cleansing for those who came to worship. If they could have provided perfect cleansing, the sacrifices would have stopped. For the worshipers would have been purified once for all time and their feelings of guilt would have disappeared. But instead, those sacrifices actually reminded them of their sins year after year. For it is not possible for the blood of bulls and goats to take away sins. That is why when Christ came to the world, he said to God, You did not want animal sacrifices or sin offerings, but you have given me a body to offer. 
You were not pleased with burnt offerings or other offerings for sin. Then I said, Look, I have come to do your will, O God, as it is written about me in the Scriptures. And Christ said, You do not want animal sacrifices or sin offerings or burnt offerings or other offerings for sin, nor were you pleased with them, though they were required by the law of Moses. Then he said, Look, I have come to do your will. And he cancels the first covenant in order to put the second into effect. God made a trade. He made a trade, the law, for the love of Christ. Man's human effort to be holy and God's perfect holiness. It writes that law of Moses here and up here. And I no longer have to force myself to do it. I want to do it because I love him so very much. Will you bow your heads and close your eyes today? Maybe you need to say yes to Jesus. Maybe you've been trying to use the old system. Paying the price for our sin, Jesus died and rose again. It's only by faith and receiving what Christ has done that you can have your sins forgiven and be adopted into God's family. You see, God made you to be with Him. He wants you to have a relationship with Him. He doesn't want to be some God in the universe far away. He wants to be your nearest and dearest friend. But your sin separates you from God. And you can't pay for it. Jesus already did. All you can do is accept what Christ has done and let that atoning sacrifice be the payment for the sins that you've committed, sins that you'll commit, and then realize that He's going to give you power once you say yes to Him. So everyone, anyone who says yes to Jesus can have eternal life, not just in heaven when you die one day, but that life eternal can begin the moment you say yes to Him and you can live in a relationship with God. Just like Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, Joseph, Moses, all these men of faith, they were justified by faith, not by their deeds. If you need to pray that prayer, would you just pray it with me right now? Church, will you pray it out loud for those who might be praying online today? Say, Dear Jesus, I'm sorry for my sin. Thank you for dying on the cross for me. Please come into my heart. Be my Savior and be my Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. Remember, it's not about the stick. It's not about the stick. It's nice that we have a stick. It's nice that we have gifts. But it's not about the stick. It's about a heart of surrender. It's about a heart of obedience, a heart of love for God. And He will use what He's put in your hand to fulfill what He's put in your heart to do. There's a calling on your life. Live according to your calling. Walk according to your calling. Live a life worthy of the call, right? Live according to your privileges as a son or a daughter of the Most High God. Because that's who you are. That's who you are. You've been adopted in His family. Well, I love you guys. I appreciate you very much. Uh, I'm glad that you've come today. I hope that we'll see this grow more in the days ahead. I think we will. I have a feeling that this church is going to grow. I have a feeling that this movie outreach is going to help us reach people we've never reached before. I feel hope rising. Don't you? I feel strange, a strange feeling. I think it's, 
I think it's joy. I think it's gladness. I think it's hope. And I'm going to walk according to the hope and not according to fear or faithlessness. Amen, somebody? <laughs> so I want to encourage you to, to give. We do have the, the box there. You can give uh, that way today. You can also give online. I'm going to press the button here for folks online. You can follow the links. Getting a lot of viewers, a lot of scrolling messages here. So we're getting a lot of people watching online. So we're glad you're joining us online. But you can also join us in person sometime. We'd love to see that too. So blessings to you. I'm going to sign off online. We'll see you sometime this week. Thank you so much for tuning in today to the ministry of Summit Church and the daily outreach of Wayne Hansen. You can support our ministry in many ways. Click the donate button on our Facebook page, Summit Church of Castle Rock. Visit our webpage, mysummitchurch.com, and click the online giving link. Or mail your donation to Summit Church of Castle Rock, 200 South Wilcox Street, Box 243, Castle Rock, Colorado, 80104. Or finally, text your gift to 303-625-9434 and follow the prompts using your smartphone. You can also support us by connecting with our online community. Comment, like, share, follow, and subscribe on our various social media channels. Of course, we appreciate you joining us in daily prayer. I'm Sean Rima, and on behalf of Pastor Wayne and the Summit Church family, take care and have a great week. Remember... God loves you, and He has a wonderful plan for your life.